Hello, and welcome to Sundays at Coastal. This week, Pastor Andy Rock preaches a sermon titled, The Extravagance of God's Grace, from Ephesians chapter 1. Are you going to please others, or are you going to live into the purpose God has for you, no matter what others think? Honesty is scary, because if we admit what's actually going on in our hearts, we're afraid we'll be rejected or unloved. But that's never how it works with Jesus. When we confess our brokenness, when we talk about what's really happening in us, then the grace and peace of God becomes real. And it's then that we can make the choice to pursue God's purpose above anything else in our lives. <laughs> That's fantastic, Joe. Uh, we, we have all, we've always been a, a church where if you're new or visiting, uh, one of the pastors will take you out to coffee and spend time with you. And the reality is, is that there's too many of you now. Uh, and so we really want to encourage you. If we'll always spend time and have a connect one-on-one, but we want to uh, have a have a monthly lunch where if you're new and you've just been coming for a while, uh, or if you're an old timer and you've been away on the COVID vacation, um, which was like in like 17 years ago, um, and then you came back and you feel like I, this isn't the same church. You're right. It's not. Uh, and so. Uh, I want you to look around and realize that 93% of the people sitting next to you have no idea who the other person is. Um, So this is a chance for us to just get to know each other, which is just great. Um, Every single week, what we do as a church is we uh, declare together our vision. We're a church that's led by a vision that comes straight out of Isaiah 61. Jesus is the celebrity here. Um, If I were to get hit by a truck today... Um, our church would keep on going and doing the things that we're doing because we're led by what we believe. Um, and so we believe three things that we see in Scripture. Number one, there is always hope beyond our brokenness. Amen? No matter where you are in your life, God loves you, and He's the one who saves. We're going to be talking a lot about that today. Number two, we get to trust in our risen Savior. And we trust Jesus to do the saving because he's alive, present right now. It's, so many times Christianity is presented as, well, God is like the force, and then you have to use the force because God helps those who help themselves. Hogwash, that's straight from the pit of hell. Jesus is alive, present right now in our lives, and our, our, the the. The walk of faith is a walk of surrendering our hearts over and over and over to the only one who can save us. Amen? Amen. The third thing that we do as our church, and and this is part of the walk of faith as well, is that we bring restoration. We bring restoration wherever we go, and you guys are amazing at this. You guys, you know, we are on track to give away $200,000 a year to people this year away, the people that don't go to this church. Or is, is that crazy or what? Right? And I know we got water stains on the ceiling and, you know, we probably need to replace the, this, this or that. But at the end of the day, do we care? If, is this worth the price of someone's soul to not get it fixed? I mean, we could upgrade our Kleenex. And we will, I promise. This is like 220 grit sandpaper. So for the love of God, give. We need your help. But also, we're trying to save people in all of the ways that God wants us to. 
And, and I shouldn't say we're trying to save. We want to join Jesus in his saving work. Amen? So this is what we believe as a church. And, we, and you don't do this like after you've graduated seminary or when you've had 14 hours of sin-free living. You do this all the time. All the time. And so we declare every day. We choose every day. That word, I choose, weighs 10,000 pounds in your life. It's not I want to, it's not I intend to, it's not I hope to, it's not I really plan on it, it's not I'm going to make you think that I already am, but I'm not. It's I am making a decision right now. I'm taking ownership and responsibility over my life, and I choose to be changed by Jesus. I choose to seek Jesus first, and I choose to join Jesus in his resurrection work. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's... let's Hey, can I have permission to speak to your hard hearts? Yes. That'd be okay. I'm going to share stuff that's going on in my life because uh, today we start the book of Ephesians. Um, and we're going to be in... You are so excited about that. Yeah! Get it, girl. Uh, let's go. Ephesians on. Uh, so can I, can I have permission to speak to your hard hearts? Because... Uh, uh, we're, not, we're only going to do like three verses today. It's go, we'll be done with this book in 2026, but um, the, we won't. Uh, uh, but these, I just, my, my whole life got turned inside out by these verses, and I want to share them for you. So um, Ephesians has been, um, it, it is a journey through God's extravagant grace, his profound and constant mercy. It's understanding our identity in Christ. It's understanding the purpose and calling that we have in Christ. It's understanding the power and position that we have as God's beloved children. Ephesians is about what it looks like to be showered with God's favor and love and then to be able to give that away. It's about reconciliation. It's about spiritual warfare. It's about a group of people who've been called by the love and mercy of God who are, who are given the purpose of nothing less than going into hell and bringing out people. And that's what we do as the church. And that's what Ephesians is about. So it's an amazing book. Um, and so what do you need to know about the people who lived in the city of Ephesus? Um, so they lived in one of the largest cities of the Roman Empire. I think there's a map on the next slide. Here's Ephesus there. This is modern-day Turkey. You can see Greece on the left. You can see uh, Israel here. On the, this is the Mediterranean Ocean. North Africa is on the bottom. That's Ephesus, modern-day Turkey. Um, and this was the entryway into the eastern part of the Roman Empire. Okay? So uh, <coughs> the Ro Roman Empire had west coast. That's Italy. In Spain, right, east side is Turkey, and Ephesus is the gateway to it. And what were they like? Well, the people in Ephesus were Jews and Gentiles. They were religious and non-religious. And all of a sudden, they're put together in this family of faith. And like us, they vote different from e than each other. Um, we have Demikins and Republicrats both in this place. Um, <laughs> Come on, they're all the same party. It's the party of money. I'm just kidding. There's some real differences. There are. There are. 
Like, most of the senators on the Republican side are over 80 and Democrats are over 90, so it's like, it's good. Um, what about, what else? So they voted different from each other. They got different backgrounds. They root for different teams. Go Seahawks. Um, they constantly argued with each other about how they live out their faith. They lived in one of the largest cities of the Roman Empire, home to one of the seven wonders of the world. Next slide. This is the, uh, this is the temple dedicated to Artemis, which is the goddess of fertility. This temple is three times the size of the Parthenon. It's the largest temple in the Roman Empire, and they would have daily orgies there. So this is a town all about banking and money and sex. It's L.A., okay? It's L.A. So imagine a small little tiny church that John, the disciple, the only kid in Jesus' youth group, he's an elder there. Timothy, who's young, he's, he's the lead pastor. Mary, the mother, of Je- the mother of Jesus, she's there. She runs the deacons, or she probably actually runs the whole church. That's who led the church, Mary, Timothy, and John. And Paul would live there for two years and work there and help them grow and establish this church in the city of Ephesus. And then he writes this letter to the Ephesians. Does that make sense? So can you and I read together Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1? Here we go. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, So much of what he just says here is absolutely shocking. Um, So you know that Paul's story of becoming an apostle uh, is not like anybody else's story, right? Jesus didn't be like, hey, come follow me. And Paul's like, yay, all right. Paul was on his way to kill Christians Jesus literally knocks him off his horse, blinds him, and when the blinders come off, literally literal scales fall off his eyes. He now can see who Jesus is, what he's done, and he'll spend uh, over a decade rewiring his brain and his heart and doing all kinds of prayer and then being sent out to plant over 200 churches. So this is the first thing that you need to know about your life. God chooses you, not when you're at your best, but when you're at your worst. God chooses you. Can you read this with me? God chooses you and keeps on choosing you through seasons of victory, seasons of grief, and seasons of rebellion. This is grace. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. So the second thing you need to know is that God transformed Paul for his purposes, even though Paul was a hot mess. And it took time. Paul didn't get knocked off his horse on the way to stomping out Christians, you know, with violence in Damascus. And then all of a sudden he like had this camp experience with Jesus and then he was better. He didn't say one magic prayer, and then all of us, I do that all the time. I prayed through it. Awesome. I'm better. No problem. Sinless. For now, oh, 10 minutes later, I'm done. Right? 
I do that all the time. It's not helpful. God's will for you is both in his specifics of what you do and also in the person that you would become the person that you were always meant to be. Now, we often don't understand how God's will for us and how grace works, how his will for us works, because what we think is that God is going to rescue us from every difficult situation or every difficult consequence that happens from our own choices. That's not how God works. Yeah, bummer. It's so disappointing. Uh, I have struggled to feel loved for 25 years. And there's been moments when I've felt loved, yes, but those have been few and far between. I cried out to God for 25 years, please, God, help me feel your love. Why did Jesus leave me in this place? Anybody have a 25-year prayer? Because I wasn't willing to deal with what was keeping me from feeling loved. That's why God left me in that place for 25 years, not alone. He was with me in it, but that's why that prayer wasn't answered, because I didn't want to look at what was keeping me from feeling loved. So I shared uh, last co- two weeks ago about this ugly thing uh, in me that wanted people who have hurt me to feel the pain that they have caused. And so many of you to reach out, have reached out to me and said, oh, I have that thing as well, whatever that revenge thing is. For me, I'll just call it what it is. It's murder. <laughs> it's not like I want to actually kill them, but I want them to die. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like, of natural causes, but immediately. (laughs) Right? Why? Because I've died. Right? There's parts of me that have died at their hand, so I want to die. I want them to go through what I've gone through. So this last week, on Monday after worship practice, Zed and Kurt prayed for me, and I rejected the lying strategy to make other people pay. I received the truth that Jesus has paid it all. I broke ties with my anger and resentment and revenge, instead choosing to give mercy in the same way that Jesus has given me mercy. I rejected that I put put myself in the place of judge, jury, and executioner over those who've hurt me and wounded me. I asked Jesus to be my savior again. Like after worship, I don't think that I'd even need to speak today. Like Zed preached the sermon right? Jesus is my Savior, not me. Jesus is their Savior, not me. And in that moment, I felt God's love in a way that I have not felt for 25 years. Please understand this, that God's will for me has always been that I would feel loved. Always. And my will was that I wanted to be God over those who've hurt me. So instead of loving them, I replaced love with anger. Does that make sense? That's why I couldn't feel love. And I didn't want to admit that that was in my heart. I didn't want to admit that that was what was really going on with me. But God waited with me 
was faithful to me in that whole process. Does that make sense? If he had just said, oh, here you go. You're going to feel loved all the time. I would have never dealt with my anger. I would have no need to. I would just be an angry person and not know it. And I would feel so loved and hurt you so bad. Does that make sense? And here's the good news that I need you to understand. And this is what Paul is saying, that he's been made an apostle by the will of God, that in his life and in your life, God's grace and peace wins all the time. God's grace and peace wins. Yeah, yay. That's hope. Now, Jesus gave me plenty of chances over two plus decades to deal with my anger, and I chose not to, but still his grace and peace wins. So you don't have to wait 25 years to deal with your ish. You could do it now. That's the invitation. You choose. You get to choose but know that even in the choosing, God's will and love and care and grace for you will overcome. God's grace is extravagant for you. Next slide. God's grace is extravagant for you. Jesus isn't afraid of my blemishes or failures, nor yours. Jesus answered my prayers, but in a way that transformed me into even more of the person I'm meant to be. Do you see how it works? That's God's will. That's grace and peace. And I know that you're crying out right now. You're crying out for people in your life that you care about. You're crying out for your own heart. And the invitation that Jesus is giving you, the invitation that Jesus gave Paul, the invitation that Paul is giving to the church in Ephesus, the invitation I'm getting to giving to you is so simple. And here it is. You don't need to hide your blemishes and hurts and failures. Honesty allows you access to God's grace. So grab the person of the hand. Grab their hand, the person you brought here, hoping that they would be saved, hoping that they would finally listen. Grab their hand right now and squeeze it and just say to them, Stop hiding. You don't have any courage. You brought them here. You say your own heart. Stop hiding. Stop hiding. So can we pray through that right now? Are you sure? Are you ready? Here you go. It goes like this. I'm going to read it first so you know what you're getting into. This is not like, you know, signing up for a cell phone plan and realizing you've mortgaged your life. Ready? <laughs> Jesus, I've been hiding my hurts and blemishes, and it's not working. I reject the strategy of hiding. I choose to be honest with the people you've given me. I choose to be honest with you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me and giving me grace even when I'm hiding. Will you pray that with me? Jesus, I've been hiding my hurts and blemishes, and it's not working. I reject the strategy of hiding. I choose to be honest with the people you've given me. I choose to be honest with you, Jesus. Thank you for loving me and giving me grace even when I'm hiding. So then Paul continues, verse 3. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who's blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless. Some translations say saints. Holy and blameless in his sight. God is wild about you. Paul praises God the Father for giving us everything we could ever need by Jesus' own hands. What has Jesus given you? What are the spiritual blessings that you have? Forgiveness. Redemption by his efforts, not yours. Not punishing you, but blessing you. Unfailing love. Chance after chance after chance. Heaven. His very presence now. Paul is going to talk more and more about our inheritance in the weeks to come. I don't have to unpack everything right now. But notice verse 4. Ready? Here it is. God chose us to be in him before the creation of the world to be holy. What does that mean? What does that mean? It means you're a saint. It means your sainthood, your holiness, your blamelessness is not because of what you've done. It's because of what Jesus has done for you. It's your choice whether or not you trust that. Now, when I think of a saint, my first thought in this church is of Sharon Lowell. Now, I need to apologize to Beth Summers and her family. We did not do a good job of inviting you to, all, to Sharon's service, and I'm sorry we dropped a ball in the net. There was a communication error, and I take ownership over that. But Sharon was a pillar of this church for, for her... Uh, the last 20 years and every day that I've been here. And when I first came to this church, Sharon was responsible for bringing two-thirds of the people here. They're like, how did, why did you come to this church? And like, Sharon. And they're like, how did you, Sharon? Why, oh, Sharon, okay. Um, the very first, she, and her husband, she and her husband, Jerry, donated the money to buy the house across the street where the offices are, where we meet. Um, for, that's called the Lowell House because Sharon and Jerry Lowell helped purchase that house for the church. Um, Sharon was hilarious, kind, generous, faithful, full of love. The first day I met with Sharon, she took me to her housekeeper's mother's house to pray for the, her housekeeper's mother. <laughs> Have any of you taken your pastor to your housekeeper's mother? <laughs> to your mechanic's mother? What's a housekeeper? What's a housekeeper, right. <laughs> Has, has anybody ever so inquired about the people's lives that help them and their extended family that you're willing to drag your pastor along to pray for people that they... That's Sharon. She's absolutely remarkable. And uh, it was so fantastic. So it's in one of the apartment buildings there up off of Grand, up on the hill of Elm. Um, and uh, she, was, she drove a 1998 Buick. You know those ones that were like... 40 feet long and shaped like a bar of soap. And, uh, and so she, ba she backed in and she didn't even look, right? So this is, this is her at that age. She, didn't, she just start, backed up and just gunned it. And we hit the retaining wall at the bottom of the driveway at like 15 miles an hour. But Sharon was loose, relaxed. She knew it was coming. She was just like, boom, right there. And I'm freaking out. And I'm like, Sharon, you just hit the wall. And she goes, have you seen my bumper? It's fine. Puts it in drive and pulls away. Because I do that all the time. 
She literally stepped off this stage right here like this, fell and broke her hip. Uh, we had this church dinner a couple of years, or about 10 years ago. She fell and broke her hip. And the entire congregation, imagine the whole room filled with people, and somebody falls and breaks their hip. I mean, you can't concentrate on anything. Everybody's just worried about Sharon. And she's there, and she's like, I'm fine. Like, everything's good. Can somebody give me something to eat? And we're like, oh, my God. So paramedics come in, and I don't know why on this day the firefighters all just, I think they all just got done taking the photo shoot for their hunk calendar. But every single one of them was just gorgeous. Even I was like, oh, okay. So like, they all come in, like six men, you know, with like veins and biceps and abs and like shaving, you know, like the whole nine yards. One guy had a mustache and sharing like that. Right? And so she's on the ground, right? And the guys, they, all these gorgeous men come over her and they're like, hi, darling. And Sharon's like, oh, 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 oh. And, she, and the whole congregation is hushed and she goes, you guys can save me anytime. <laughs> and they put her on the stretcher and she's like, I'm going with my boys now. I mean, she, this is Sharon, right? Oh, my God. For, all, for anybody that had the privilege of being loved by Sharon, we will miss her dearly. Now, Sharon was not perfect. None of us are. Sharon believed that God's abundant love to her meant that she could give that away. But then, then her husband, Jerry, we have a picture here of Jerry. Then, then Jerry died unexpectedly. And here's what makes Sharon a saint. She didn't give up her purpose to love. Being a saint doesn't mean everything's easy. Again, God does not spare us from the sorrows and heartaches of life. Trouble will come. Suffering happens. And God is not absent from you when that happens. God is not absent from you when you fail. God is not absent from you when someone fails you. Jesus is right there with you. The question a saint must answer is this. Do you want God's purpose and will for you more than anything else? Are you going to please others or are you going to live the purpose that God has for you no matter what others think? Do you want to be used by God to work miracles? Do you understand that that comes with sacrifice and that you can't hold on to all of your time and all of your money and prioritizing yourself all the time in order for you to be on the front lines? That there's, there's, it requires you to say, yes, God, I'll go where you send me. I'll give what you want me to. Have you given up on God and his plans and purposes because, because your Jerry died? Your hope died, your dreams died? Your loved one died, your relationship fell apart, your finances, your health, whatever it is, you had a massive loss. Are you going to choose every day to push forward and become and remain the person God has created you to be, no matter the pain? When I said that honesty allows you to access God's grace, I wasn't saying that lightly. Over the course of my faith and as a pastor, 
just this week, for heaven's sake, I, I have not been honest about what I truly wanted. I wanted to be viewed as a great guy <laughs> more than the guy who would choose God's will. I wanted to have it all and then do thoughts and prayers for God's kingdom. Oh, man, thoughts and prayers, Jesus. Hope it really works out for you. But I'll just keep everything I have. Just this week, smack in my face, I've been confronted with the reality that I want my way, me being first, more than prioritizing the special and beautiful people that I have in my life. And as I choose myself again and again and again, even though I was being confronted lovingly, I kept on choosing myself and I was blind to it as it was happening. Why? Because I didn't want to accept that right now I'm choosing to prioritize me over prioritizing God and the people that he has for me. Without honesty, without honesty, I can never experience the grace of God's love for me in the areas where I'm not loving him. Why? Because I'll never let him in. Oh, that's not there. Just kidding. I'll be like a cat in a litter box. Nothing to see here. Right? Nothing to see here. We do this really weird thing. It's a really weird thing that we do. We take our heart and we split it in half. And we think this part's good. And then we think this part's ugly. And then we hide the ugly part. We hide the blemishes. We hide the failures. We hide the wounds. And our good part of our heart says, you need to change. You need to grow up. You need to figure it out. You need to pray harder. You need to work harder. You need to do it better. The thing is, is that when you divide your heart and treat yourself like that, then you'll do the same thing with everybody else. You'll love it when they approve of how great and wonderful you are, but the moment that they confront you or the moment that they disappoint you, then you're like, stop. That part of my heart is secret. You're not supposed to know about that. And the closer that you get to people in your life, the more love that increases in there, and all of a sudden, all of your ish comes out. And you're like, ah! You ever get mad at someone because they're mad at you because you hurt them? They're mad at you because you hurt them, and then you're like, you're not supposed to be mad at me. That's my job. <laughs> to be a saint, to be holy and blameless, is to understand that there is no divide in you. That all the parts of your brokenness, all the parts of your loveliness, they're all there, and God loves you. All of you. Right now. Right now. Right now. He loves all of you. 
He's not asking you to cover up, perform, speak Christianese over it. He's not asking you to hide it. He's not asking you to, he doesn't want that thing to be there. But if you're not honest about it, it'll never come up and get healed. And so he's asking you to be a saint, to be holy and blameless. How do you do that? Honesty. It's saying, I'm in love. I've been captivated by the love that has saved me. And God, you've saved me. You've saved me, not me. So we're going to do communion right now. And the way that that's going to look is that our ushers are going to invite you. This section here, you're going to be at this table. This section here, you're going to be at this table. I want to invite our worship band and our ushers forward, our, our deacons forward to, to serve communion. But I, I don't, I, whether you're online or whether you're here, this is your moment to be honest with God. And so when you receive the bread, I want you to eat that any time that you want, understanding this. The bread is a metaphor for the suffering of God, the suffering of Jesus on the cross for you. And so when you eat that bread, understand that his work on the cross covers every part of your heart, all of it. He died for all of you. He suffered for all of you. He loves all of you. And then we're going to hold the cup and we're going to drink it together at the end for you to understand Every single one of your sins is forgiven by the love of Jesus. Every single one. Even the ones you're never going to tell a soul about. He knows. And he loves you. And he forgives you. Right now. So Jesus, bless and protect this time. As we sing, as we receive communion. God, break down every wall that we've put up to try and save ourselves. We invite you to do it. We open, we fling wide the doors of our heart and we say, Jesus, come save me right now. Do you guys agree? And if you've prayed that prayer for the first time today, friends, I want to know about it because we want to rally around you and love you and support you in it. Our ushers now are going to dismiss you. And while you're waiting for communion, would you worship with us? His name is Jesus. Amen. Amen. Very carefully opening up this cup or whatever you're drinking at home. This is the blood of Christ shed for your forgiveness, your redemption, your adoption. He's claimed you as his own. He wants every part of you, and he loves every part of you right now. And as you drink this, we invite him in, and we say, Jesus, thank you that your blood covers every part of me. Amen? Yeah. Oh, brothers and sisters, let's stand together and receive the benediction. If you would like prayer, we would love to pray for you.
If you've prayed for the first time today and you want to know more about what it looks like to follow Jesus, come down here. We'd love to talk with you. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance and that's his delight in you and give you the peace that passes all understanding. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's saints said, Amen. Have a great day. We have amazing food for you. Take care. Pastor Andy Rock is the senior pastor of Coastal Community Church. It's located in Grover Beach, California and serves communities across the Central Coast. Join us online each week on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. for our weekly live stream. We also have two in-person services at 9 a.m. and 1040 a.m. in our sanctuary. Coastal Community Church is located at 1830 Farrell Road, Grover Beach, California. For more information, visit our website, www.mycoastal.org. Thanks for joining us, and I hope you have a great week.